I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Hi, today is day two of my July book blast, which I started yesterday with Memoir Mondays. Today is Debut Tuesdays, and I'm going to be featuring a number of incredible debut authors whose books have come out during the quarantine or around this time or are great beach reads and things you should definitely start reading now. I will be doing this for 10 days in July with lots and lots of episodes so that you all can enjoy it while it's still the summer. I hope you enjoy today's Debut Tuesday. Listen to all of them. For some of them and spread the word. Lauren Ho is the author of Last Tang Standing. She is a reformed legal counsel who writes funny stories. This is according to her. I think they're funny, but anyway, that's according to her. Hailing from Malaysia, she lived in the United Kingdom, France, and Luxembourg before moving with her family to Singapore, where she is ostensibly working on her next novel. And then she says, Last Tang Standing is not based on her mother at all, seriously. I mean, how can you not want to read it or listen to her episode after hearing that bio? Welcome, Lauren. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and congratulations on Last Tang Standing. How exciting. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Zippy. I'm really excited to be talking to you today, and yeah, I hope I hope we'll have fun. You have the funniest about the author bio, you know, book jacket description that I've like ever read. I already read it on your bio here, but you're so funny that when you say it's not based on your mother at all, seriously. Tell me about so. Tell me about how Last Hang Standing is not based on your mother. What's it based on then? And and maybe start by explaining what the book is about to people who haven't read it. Sure, sure. So Last Hang Standing is a book about a thirty-something-year-old lawyer, a thirty-something lawyer who's basically trying to climb the corporate ladder while you know fending off the unhealthy interests her relatives have in her love life. So it's basically written in diary form and it's set over the course of a year. And we're going to follow Andrea's journey. Andrea is the protagonist, you know, as she tries to find what she wants in life. So that's basically the, the story of the book. And when I say it's not based on my mom, it's because I'm legally obliged to say that. <laughs> but my mom knows. So no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's only like partially based on her, of course. <laughs> I have to say, this is being recorded. So... <laughs> so- when you meet the main character in this book, she's facing the Chinese New Year, which I didn't even know was like the worst time ever for single women who are over 30 in the Chinese <laughs> culture community. Tell me a little more about that. And if like, did this happen to you or these are friends of yours this happened to you? Or just tell me about where you started the book, how you entered it that way. Well, obviously, I exaggerated certain aspects of the book for like comic relief, but it is a terrible time for single people, you know, Chinese New Year. Like, I suppose any 
clan gathering for people with, uh, you know, uh, from cultures where family ties are still really important and you have a lot of clanic gatherings. So like Chinese New Year is pretty much like the worst for singletons that are above 30 and like who are of like Chinese background. I didn't go through this, thankfully, because I got married pretty young. I got married when I was like 27. Not because I was afraid of the clan gathering. I must I must stress. I don't know. I think you're protesting too much, you know? I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure I buy it, but okay, fine. But I had many friends who had gone through similar things and they told me like, you know, they always dreaded Chinese New Year because like people get extra drunk and extra extra, you know, prey. That's not even a word, but yeah, like, like you know, they get yeah. Yes. And where are you, by the way? You're in. Are you in Singapore now, or where are you calling from? Actually, I'm in Malaysia, which is you know in the same time zone as Singapore. And I'm currently based there because my husband's work requires him to be there. But we might move back to Singapore. I don't know. I'm kind of in between places. It's weird because I am from Malaysia, but I hadn't been living in Malaysia for over a decade, more than that, before I moved back. So, yes, it's strange. And so are you in closer proximity to your mother now? Oh, no. She's in a different state with my dad. Oh, okay. I think they're trying to... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Actually, they moved to a state closer to Singapore when I had a kid and they would do the crossing, like they would cross the streets to see me. But then we moved to Malaysia and they're like, oh, you're, you're in Kuala Lumpur now. And that's like not what we were expecting. But now they have this house in Johor which is the state, which is closest to Singapore. And they're like, oh, that's not working out the way I thought it would. But you know, <laughs> some people wave through life, right? That's an important lesson for my mom to learn. <laughs> so tell me about your decision to write this book at all. Like what made you want to write a book or this book in particular? Well, I have been writing competitively. I, I call it competitive writing for some time. So I used to write short stories and submit them for competitions and and like some of them have been published and I always had in mind that I wanted to write like a novel, but I never really had the time because back then I used to be a legal counsel and I was always like working really long hours. And so when we moved to Singapore about six years ago, I finally had the time to sit down and like I had the, like the bandwidth to write. And so at the same time, I was also trying out stand-up comedy as like an amateur. And so... This was like the time for me to, to kind of like experiment creatively. And so I got the idea for the book during a stand-up comedy set about conditional versus unconditional love and Asian parents. So that's how I got the idea for the book. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. So funny. And I saw actually you're in conversation soon with Kevin Kwan. And I interviewed him yesterday. <laughs> Great. I mean, I'm so excited about it. I try not to think about it because I might not be able to like sleep at night if I do. So <laughs> I'm just trying trying to think about it. Do you watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Have you ever seen um, that show about a stand-up Jewish comedian back in the, I don't know when it was, the 50s probably? And she, you know, Midge Maisel decides to not be a housewife anymore and just, you know, take over the world and go do stand-up comic everywhere. And anyway, you should watch it. It's really funny and really good. Or maybe you should just make your own version of a show like that. <laughs> no, I don't think I would be a, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know where to start. I, I don't think I would be a good actor or scriptwriter. So we'll see. 
I don't know. You pulled off, you pulled off this book, so. <laughs> we will see. Tell me more about the process of writing your book. So you, you thought of the idea during stand-up, and then what happened? And then I did the adult thing of like setting aside some time every day and writing a little bit every day. You know, when I was in my 20s, I used to think like, you know, writing would just be like, oh, the news has struck and I'm going to sit down and like write something. But I actually got pretty good advice from my friends who told me like, if you want to finish a novel, you need to just sit down for like a certain hour, like certain number of hours a day and just like write novel and that's what I did and that's the only reason I managed to finish the novel yeah so discipline and I I might have forgotten the question sorry no that's okay Uh, no that's fine I just wanted to know about your journey you know to writing it did you have the whole thing plotted out in your head did you know the way you wanted it to go when you sat down to write it or did it all just come tumbling out once you once your fingers hit the keyboard so the first draft I ever did which I thought was good enough and which I submitted out to agents obviously it was not good enough because I didn't, I got like some requests for like full manuscript, but no actual bites in the end. But yeah, so like the first draft was not so good. And it was just something that I, I had like the barest grasp on plotting. And I just thought this is the way it should go, blah, blah, blah. But after I got those rejections, I kind of sat down and I like read a couple, no, more than a couple of craft books. And I learned how to plot by reading these books. And yeah, so I, I read, rejig maybe 30% of the book and like added another 20%. And all these stats make me sound much more intelligent than I probably am. But yeah, that's how, that's the version that actually got me an agent actually was sold, came about. But yeah, it has gone through a lot of redrafting. Yeah. I kind of like, once I knew what I was doing, I was like, oh, no, I should add this idea and I should add this scene. And, and my editor was like, give me the damn manuscript. <laughs> no, she didn't say, give me the manuscript. The deadline's here. So, and yeah. It reminds me a little of Bridget Jones's diary and the whole diaristic format of the book and having like little entries and, you know, next to different times and what you were thinking, or not you, sorry, what your character is thinking as she goes through it. Did you model it on on books like that or did you have any inspiration from other books or did you just like go at it the way you had in mind? So I had always known that I would write the book in diary form. So what I did was before I started writing, I started reading up all the diary books I had. So like Bridget Jones' Diaries, like I had two or three of books and I read them all. And then I read like Adrian Mole Diaries. I think I read like two or three as well from the series. And I loved the Adrian Mole Diaries, yeah. by the way. Those were like, nobody talks about them anymore. I still have one from when I was little. Like those were fantastic. Yes, they're so good, right? And I just basically read them and like, oh, I figured out how I would, like, you know, I just need a refresher as to how like a diary form novel could be. And I just kind of like did my own thing. I probably put in more traditional traditional narrative structure. I, I, sorry, I, I probably spliced in more traditional narrative chunks than like Bridget Jones and Diary did or Adrian Mole. But yeah, so it's like a, a mixture of, I did my own thing, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that answered my question. So start to finish, how long do you think the whole project took you? I finished the first draft in 2017 and I spent 2018 redrafting and I got my agent in 2019. So I think the whole process probably took like three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, publishing is like, takes such a long time, right? It's not like, it's not for someone who has very short attention span or 
very little patience because the turnover for one project takes forever. And it's not even like you, you have no control over it. You just basically have to just relinquish control and let your publishers do their thing. And that can take a year and a half to two years. And people don't know that. So, yeah. yeah. Slow. <laughs> That's why sometimes I like writing essays that you can post yourself like immediately. <laughs> like 800 words and then it's up. <laughs> and then you can post it and spread the word. So I don't know. I'm too, imp- I feel like I'm too impatient for a lot of things. <laughs> Are you working on a new book or what's coming next for you? So I'm working on the sequel that will hopefully be sold. I actually don't have a second book deal yet. So I'm like waiting for myself to finish. I'm waiting to finish the book and then see how it goes and then actually sell the second book, I hope. But yeah, I'm working on a sequel. Maybe TMI. I'm no, working not, on not TMI. That's uh, <laughs> and I saw on Instagram how you took your daughter and you're like staking out different bookstores now that you can be out of the house and look around and all that. Tell me about what that feeling was like seeing your book on a shelf. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I, I, I can't even describe the feeling. It's like dread mixed with anticipation mixed with, I don't know, too many drinks. And, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I was just, the first time I saw my book on a shelf and it was, and Kino Kunia in Malaysia, I was just so overcome with emotion because it was like Kino Kunia. In Kino Kunia is like the Waterstones, if you wish, or Barnes and Noble of Malaysia and Singapore. And well, they're kind of everywhere in the region. So they're, they're kind of like a big deal. And, you know, I'm Malaysian. So seeing my book in the Kino Kunia store in KLCC was a big deal for me. But I kind of want to see this, the book in person in Singapore because that's where I wrote the book and that's that's where I was when I had like my stand-up comedy stint for two years so I kind of want to be there to see the books and I'm hoping that the borders open and we can like travel soon I'm hoping yeah this year has been a tough year to be a debut I won't kid around it's been a tough year but yeah you know it's hard I know it's I, I have just had such an outpouring of sort of I don't know empathy and trying to I just feel so bad for people like you who have done all all the work and done everything right and then it comes out and the environment is just like not what you expected and you know the the work is still the work hasn't changed it's just everything else in the entire universe so I don't know I have a lot of compassion for trying to get the word out about great debut books like yours so yeah my heart goes out to you and all your peers and (laughs) you know it's tough but not impossible right I mean look at you you're standing out already so it's great not impossible. I, I think like the thing that most authors want is, you know, that in-store events, right? Where they can like sign the books and meet fans or haters. But you want to meet the people who've read your book in person, right? Because there's still something special about meeting people in person. Because they're social animals. And it's not the same like signing a stack of books and having like the bookstores mail them out, which is what I've done for a few of the indies in Kuala Lumpur, where I'm based, and it's just not the same because you don't get you don't get to meet your, your readers. And well, I'm hoping that this will change, but and it, it looks like it might change soon. So I'm still crossing my fingers. Yeah, but you know, you know, I'm really happy that I've managed to meet so many interesting people to like virtual events, like you, <laughs> like you. Oh my gosh, this would have never happened if not for like the C word. And so, you know, I, I take pleasure in like these unexpected serendipitous events. <gasps> and I'm going to meet Kevin, I mean, not me, but I'm going to meet Kevin Kwan. So, you know what I mean? There are good and bad things, you know? So, yeah. I, I do like that the 
physical boundaries separating people are gone. Just, you know, I was like, what am I doing today? Oh, I'm going to bring somebody in Malaysia and then an hour later in London and then an hour later in Nigeria. Like, that is so cool. I I mean, I never would have had that before. It wouldn't have been, you know, on the menu of options. So, yeah, that is a huge benefit that, you know— Physical boundaries no longer should prohibit any communication. Not that they did, but now at least it's like in my face that it's so easy. <laughs> so you have like a really professional looking mic. Thank you. You know, yes, these- I love my mic. I got it on Amazon. It's called, it's a Blue Yeti microphone. I googled best microphones for podcasts a couple of years ago, and this is what came up. And so. I am a huge fan. Yes. Now my son has stolen one and is using it upstairs to play video games. Some of his friends think he's the coolest, but (laughs) thank you though. (laughs) So do you have any advice to aspiring authors? Yes. Put your butt down and finish the manuscript because that's the only way you have anything to present to anyone. So sit down, finish your manuscript and start getting other people's opinions on it, but not too many, like gentle but firm readers. Does that exist? Yes, but yeah. So you need people to look through your work and tell you if it's good or bad, but finish your work first. Is there anyone you wish you hadn't shown your work to? Mm, Not really. I kind of wish I'd shown my sister the um, second or third draft I did because the first draft, she was like not very impressed and she's read a lot of my stuff and she was like, oh, this is not going to go very far. And she was right. It didn't really go very far. So I, I wish I'd shown her the second or third manuscript. So yeah, it's more like a regret, not really. I wish I hadn't shown someone this, but yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thanks for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. Thanks for talking about your whole experience. Thanks for bridging this sort of international borders of us getting to chit-chat today and all the rest. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope you enjoy your, your other two uh, interviews in London, was it? In Nigeria? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty intense yeah good good luck and uh, take good care of your voice I feel like you might need that oh no I don't know I've honed it from years of screaming at my children so it's it's fine now (laughs) it never gets tired (laughs) well maybe one day we can finally meet in person if you ever get to New York or I don't know if I have any plans to go to Kuala Lumpur but you never know life is crazy so I, I think it's more likely that I'll be in New York one day than the opposite but I have a tip. Like, if you ever need something to lubricate your throat, like apple cider vinegar, warm apple cider vinegar with like a dollop of honey is really good for your throat. Like, I've used this for my my voice is going a little bit. I don't know if you can hear this, but it's because like I've done a couple of interviews today, and yeah, but like honey is so good. Hmm. Yeah, my my husband has like jars and jars of apple cider vinegar in the fridge. He's all about that, like turmeric and apple cider. Vinegar. We have so many. We're like a homeopathy story here. But thank you. Yes, I, he's, he's always trying to get me to do that, and I usually don't. So thank you for the reminder. I appreciate it. Okay. It was so good to talk to you. It was so good yeah, to talk I, to you, too. Okay, have a really good afternoon, morning. Morning. Yes, still morning here. You, too. Have a good night. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bye. Lauren. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to one of my debut Tuesday episodes in the July Book Blast series. I really hope you enjoyed it. And it's really my pleasure to bring you some debut authors you might not have heard of or have listened to. So enjoy. I hope you really got a lot out of it. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot.
Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.